Grab a seat, grab your Bibles. If you were with us this last weekend, you know we were in Acts chapter 2, so you can open up right there. On a recent podcast episode, Bethany and I were talking about communication and remembering back to the early days of our relationship. In fact, the very first days of our relationship, we started dating. And then a week later, Bethany left the country for two months. And so the first two months of our relationship consisted of communicating via two phone calls, two glorious phone calls, and then several emails scattered throughout the summer. I still remember where I was during both phone calls. Okay, one, I was working on an ambulance at the time. I was dead asleep. It was the middle of the night. It was whatever time it was during the day in uh, Spain. And she calls me and I woke up and to my delight, it wasn't a 911 call. It was my wife-to-be. And so we talked on the phone there. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like four in the morning. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the best. So we talked. I remember that. I remember where I was. And then the next time she called, I was in a psych ward. And uh, I wasn't admitted myself, but we had taken someone there. And uh, I was walking out and my phone is ringing in my pocket. And I, I hurry and I get out of there and I pick it up. And sure enough, it's her. And uh, so those were our two glorious phone calls. They lasted like a couple minutes. She had a calling card with a limited number of minutes on them on it. And so we talked and it was great. And then between those two phone calls, we emailed back and forth. And I just remember sitting at my computer, clicking refresh, like hoping I would see an email from her. And, and then when an email would come in, I would just soak up every word. I would read it slowly. I'd read the whole email. I'd read it again. I'd read it over and over again. And, uh, and then I'd reply to her. And so that was our communication in the early days. These pieces of communication had a big impact on me. I mean, I, I was probably more into those emails and phone calls than any other conversations I was having here. And uh, I was probably more, um, I, more expressive of my feelings in those emails than any other dude I ever talked to uh, that summer. Uh, I probably shed some tears during the course of those emails and phone calls. And the list goes on. I mean, waking up in the middle of the night with a smile on my face because she's calling me. I did some significant things because of that set of communication that was going back and forth. And there is a piece of communication that we have access to that has an effect on us or ought to have an effect on us a million times greater than that summer of communication had on my life that I had with Bethany. And this set of communication that we have access to, it's not just between us and one other person, but it's available to every single person on the planet. You know where I'm going with this. We have access to the Bible. And the Bible has changed lives way more drastically than my life was changed that summer. We have people in this room that can testify of the way that the Bible has changed their life. They've read these words. They've come to open up God's book and they have been impacted, not just for a summer, but for a lifetime. This is what God's word does when it gets a hold of us. It changes us. It changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, the way we talk, and the list goes on. And it ought to continue to do so. Significantly, our passage in Acts chapter 2 Peter preaches the first sermon in the book of Acts, and what does he do? He opens up, this is 
in the, in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, Peter refers back to the Bible at the time. And in Acts chapter 2, he is quoting from the book of Joel. And that was where we were at this last weekend in the main service. We read, uh, let me hear, get here, Acts chapter 2. We read starting in verse 14. Peter stands up with the 11. He lifts his voice and he addresses all the people because people are speaking in tongues and people from all over the, the planet are gathered there and these guys from Galilee are speaking in languages that they probably had never heard before and it was this miraculous event. And God used this miraculous scene to launch his church. And so Peter stands up and he says, hey, this is not happening because these people are drunk. These people are not drunk, verse 15. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he takes us back to the book of Joel. And he, and he says, you know, look, Joel said that this was going to happen. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even only my male servants and my female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Peter kicks off uh, the, the church by calling back people's minds to the, the Bible at the time and saying the Bible is being fulfilled in front of your eyes. The things that are happening, it's not because people drank too much. It's not because of any other weird phenomenon. It's because this is what God said was going to happen. And so you have the fulfillment of God's word taking place right here in Acts chapter two. So there were a couple principles that Pastor Mike drew out for us and I'm going to put them all up on the screen. Number one, point number one, if you're here on the weekend, trust in God's kingdom plans. Everything that was happening was happening on God's timetable according to God's plan. None of it was a surprise. He was in control the whole time. Point number two was to cherish the work of God's spirit. Clearly, this is a manifestation of God's spirit. Miraculous things are happening. Spirit-filled people are doing things that they don't normally do. God was at work. And taking a step back and looking at this passage, we ought to cherish the work of God's spirit, not only then, but now. Point number three was to amplify the grace of forgiveness. Amplify the grace of of forgiveness, put a voice to the message of forgiveness and the end of that verse, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that was the weekend sermon and um, I really wanna take a minute and think about point number two with you. Think about point number two, cherish the work of God's spirit. Pastor Mike listed off several different ways you can do that. Uh, he listed off um, the security and sealing that comes by having the Holy Spirit, the illumination, God giving you understanding of the Bible through the Holy Spirit, the transformation of lives. It guide, the Holy Spirit guides us in our praying and the list goes on of things that the Holy Spirit does in and through us when he is present. And I just want to challenge you with one of the things that's on the back of the worksheet, questions number two and three, really have to do with your interaction with the Bible. The Holy Spirit 
has inspired the book that you have on your laps and on your phones. If you want to cherish the work of God's Spirit, then I want to challenge you to read your Bibles. Don't tell me that you cherish the work of God's Spirit if you don't read your Bible. This is the Spirit's book for you. This is God's revelation in your hands. So read the Bible if you want to cherish God's Spirit. Read it individually, spend time, have a personal devotional life, and then also you ought to have conversations about what you're reading with your spouse. And maybe you want to read your Bibles together. That could be a great solution to reading your Bibles individually and talking about them if you just do it all, all together. Sometimes Bethany and I will listen to the DBR together. In the mornings when we wake up at the same time, we'll walk down, we'll get coffee in our hands, and we'll sit on the couch next to each other, and we'll just push play on our um, Compass app, and the guy, whoever that guy is, reads us, reads us the Bible. And it takes 10 minutes, it takes 15 minutes, and we sit there and we listen to the Bible together. And, and then we'll usually spend some time praying um, individually at that point. But we don't do that every morning, but when we do, it's a great thing. And I don't know if, if that's a pattern in your life, but I just want to challenge you to have a personal devotional life where you spend time reading the Bible and then you talk about it with your spouse. I think that's one way that you can and should cherish the work of God's Spirit in your life. And I mean, what does it say about your heart if you don't read the Bible? It's not because you don't have time. You can have time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes to read your Bibles. That, I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem, if you don't read your Bibles, is much more likely a heart problem than a time problem. So what does it say about your heart if you don't have time to read? It could be for a couple of reasons I was thinking. Maybe you don't read because you just take God's word for granted. You just assume it. it you, you, you take this book for granted. It could also be that you don't, in all honesty, you don't think you need it. You just, life is okay when you don't read. You only read maybe when life starts getting crazy and out of control. You start feeling desperate. Then you're like, oh, I better start reading. Maybe you feel like you don't need it. And that's why you don't read. Or maybe a third alternative is you just find other things more important. Other, other stuff is higher on the priority list. And we could probably go on with this list of potential reasons why you don't read, but those are just three big ones. And maybe that's you here today. I want to challenge you to get back on track with reading your Bibles. Start with the DBR. That's 10 minutes, it's 15 minutes. If the guy reads it, you can read it faster if you uh, read it in your mind. <laughs> Not have someone read it to you out loud. How about that? Also, another point here. If you want to cherish the work of God's Spirit, read your Bible. And then two, along these lines, it's not just doing the chore of reading. That's... That's a terrible way to think about this. Can you submit yourself to the book? Can you place yourself under the Bible? 
In terms of your posture when you approach the Bible, do you approach it as a source of authority in your life that is going to confront you? It's going to rebuke you? It's going to challenge the way you think? It's going to encourage and motivate you to live the way God calls you to live? Please don't just go through the motion of reading the Bible. Get to a place where it confronts you, challenges you, and rebukes you. I just think we might fall into the trap of thinking that we're doing God a favor when we read the Bible, or it's going to be good for us, you know, earn us some points. We're not doing God a favor when we slot in some time for him. He has done us the ultimate favor, if that's even the right way to phrase that, of providing us with this book. So let's cherish God's spirit by reading it and submitting ourselves to it. And then maybe just the final challenge to cherish God's spirit in your life is um, to pray for your spouse's sanctification. That was one of the features that Pastor Mike highlighted on the weekend was the spirit has a sanctifying effect in our lives, grows us to be more like Christ. And I think that's a good thing for us to pray for our spouse. Would you commit this week to pray for your spouse that God would sanctify your spouse? Now, one of the ways he does that is through the Bible. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is the, the means by which we are sanctified. One of them is through reading the Bible and exposure to the Bible. So let's pray that our spouse would be in the Bible Let's talk about it with them, and let's pray that God would sanctify them. That would be a great thing, and I think that would put some legs to point number two. That makes sense? So let me just add a question. I'd love for you to talk through the questions in the back of the worksheet, especially number two and number three, but adding a question, um, what, are, what are two or three things that you can do to enhance your Bible reading? Maybe everything that I just said was review for you and you're already reading consistently and, and that's great. You can come up with two or three things that might enhance your Bible reading, no doubt about it. And others of you, man, just let's, let's come up with some ways that we can take our Bible reading, our intake of God's word to the next level.